Hey, glad to see you here this morning. Um, I'm guessing a lot of you guys are like me, where you have friends, family members, maybe it's a coworker or a neighbor, whoever, um, you just have people in your life that you know have questions about their faith. Or maybe for you, maybe it's you sitting here this morning. I mean, you're just like, okay, yeah, actually, actually, that's, that's not my friend, that's, that's me. Um, you know, lately, I just got, I just got questions, all right? And, and you have questions about Christianity and church and, and Jesus and this whole resurrection thing and, and the Bible. Or, or maybe for you, you don't just have like a specific question on a specific area. Maybe for you, all right, you're just kind of questioning the whole deal. Like, you're just like, man, I don't even know, like, how do I even know there is a God out there? Like, how am I supposed to know that? And so you look at Jesus and you're thinking, you know, on one hand, you're like, all right, here's this dead guy that apparently came back to life like 2,000 years ago. How am I supposed to believe in that? And then I mean, what about evolution? What about the problem of evil? Like, I don't know. There's just, I feel like for a lot of us, we just kind of look at these things and these questions that we may have. And we're like, man, this just doesn't sit well with me. But then on the opposite side of that, there's just something about a godless universe where life is just reduced to biology and, and chemistry that that doesn't sit well with us e either. I mean, it's, just, it's this, uh, this godless universe where there's no purpose in the world. However I got here, I mean, it's here and, and there's no good, there's no real evil because who gets to decide that? And there's no value out there. I mean, just think about values just, just for a second, all right? Uh, think about it. In a godless universe... There is no real value. And I'm not just talking about monetary value or anything like that. I'm talking about like anything that you could possibly value, like people and job, your job that you value and, and your goals and, and your memories. They're all just all these things. Like all of those things in a godless universe, everything, every one of those things is just really an illusion. I mean, think about values in reality, all right? Like you can't like pick up your value. You know what I'm talking about? Like if I came to you with a box of values, what would be in the box? Nothing, okay? Nothing would be in the box. I mean, it's not something that we can, like, grasp or hold on to. Values aren't a thing, but value is something that we all use every single day. And a world where God doesn't exist, that means value or real value doesn't exist either. Sure, we can experience it, but, but what we're experiencing is actually just an illusion, meaning that there's no actual value to anything, only assigned value by us, meaning there's nobody or no thing up there that is assigning value. We are the ones that assign value. And so whenever we choose our values and we fight for the things that are important to us, like, like justice and fairness and equality and just kind of all those things that we fight for, if there is no God, all of those things is actually an illusion and none of those things actually exist. We're just kind of making it up on the fly at this point in time for us. Is someone else going to have a different opinion that's equally as valid? And so on one hand, we got these questions and doubts about God. But on the other hand, when, it, when we follow the logical path of a world with no God, where there's no value, and somehow something came from nothing, we don't know how, understand how that happened, and, and there's just, you know, nothing really matters in life. We just live and we die, and that's it for us. For a lot of us, that doesn't sit well with us either. And so I feel like for a lot of people out there, a lot of people, our friends, our family members, maybe even a lot of people in here, we just kind of feel stuck in the middle. Like, I don't know, man. Like, like I, I just, you know, we have questions on both ends. And I just want to tell you, it is completely normal and okay to have questions about your faith and to doubt your faith. In fact, what I would argue is that questions, uh, what we see is that questions happen when faith encounters the real world. Okay, that's, that's, that's when questions arise. 
Okay, we don't have to check our brain at the door to give our life to Jesus. In fact, I would argue that it's a really good thing to have real questions because real questions push you or should motivate you to find real answers. And what we find is that doubts can actually push us to grow deeper in our relationship with God. I think the opposite is actually, it's actually bad for us. I think it's dangerous to have unquestioned and untested faith. In fact, in my life, people that I've met and people that I've seen and friends and, and family members and, and just people here at church, um, people that I've met through church, is that when I see people with unquestioned or untested faith, what I've seen in my life is far too often, they eventually lead, it eventually leads them to walking away from their faith, which actually shows us that they didn't have true or real faith at all because the Bible tells us we can't, we can't just randomly lose our faith, like God, God holds us. And so what ends up happening is people who have unquestioned or untested faith, what I've seen is that unquestioned and untested faith is always um, accompanied by our, um, our expectations of who we think God would be and who we think God should be, okay? And so what ends up happening in our minds is that many people, I feel like they leave Christianity for reasons that have nothing to do with the real Christian faith. Meaning we create this like God in our mind of what we think God should be and what we think God would be. And then you know what happens? Life happens. Have you ever had life happen? You know what I'm talking about? We're like, ugh, okay. You know, we all, we've all been there before. Um, and what ends up happening is when life happens, God doesn't meet our expectations and our assumptions that we came up with. So we walk away from our faith and we're going, okay, well, God, you didn't do this thing that I think you would do if you were real. And so, so you must not be there. And I just, and you've walked away from faith. And I just want to say, if that's you here this morning, I'm so glad you did. You should walk away from that faith, right? Because the God that you lost faith in never existed in the first place. And, and so you walked away, not because you're dumb, not because you are a bad person, you're just not asking the right questions, but because you had the wrong God. And we've talked about some of these gods that we've created in our minds over the last few weeks. A couple weeks ago, we talked about this idea of the bodyguard God, right? Like this God that's supposed to protect us from all the bad things and all the evil that's in the world. And, and what happens is um, something will enter our life that we don't want to... It, we don't want to be there. Something bad will happen to our life. And then we start questioning God. Like, okay, God, where are you at? I thought you were supposed to keep all this stuff out. Like, you're supposed to filter this somehow. And you're not. And so I don't know if you're there. And so I'm walking away. And, like, that stuff happens. And we talked about a couple weeks ago how God never once in his word promises us to keep us from all the bad things in this world. In fact, the Bible describes for us how we were the ones that actually brought on evil by this world when we um, chose to rebel against God, when we sinned. Because originally, remember, God created the earth, and it was, like, perfect. It was, like, awesome. And uh, we had, like, the perfect, it was a paradise is really what it was. And God made this place. And not only did we have a perfect place to live in, but God um, got to have a, per we got to have a perfect relationship with our creator, which is what we we're all created to have. And so it's a perfect situation, and then we rebelled against him. And when that happens, the earth was broken, and our relationship with God was broken. And so now all, these, all the bad things that happen in this world is really because of the consequences of sin. And so we're the reason why bad things happen. And so Jesus, when he came on the scene, he even said, he said, hey, if you become a follower of me, don't expect your life to get all rosy and perfect. Don't expect your life to get easier. He says your life is actually probably going to get harder because the world is going to be against you. 
He never promises to keep us from all the bad things. But he does promise that he can use everything in our life, whether good or bad, for good. And that's something that we can hold on to. Last week, AJ talked about a different God. He talked about the boyfriend God, okay? This idea that uh, we always need to feel God's presence. And if we don't feel God's presence, it's like, oh, no, I don't know. I don't feel, I don't get that tingly feeling, you know, inside. And I don't know what's going on. And so, God, you must not be there. And so and we talked about how, no, that's not how it all works, all right? Uh, just because we don't always feel God's presence does not mean he's not present, See, those are two examples of gods that we create in our minds. But maybe, in my opinion, I feel like the biggest god that we've created is this idea of the on-demand god. Um, and I think we do this all the time. In fact, I've talked to a lot of people that uh, their faith has been shaken when God doesn't, what's the word, uh, perform on demand. And it causes issues, right? At many times, I feel like we just... We just want something, and so we pray. Have you, ever, have you ever wanted something, you pray to God for it? Okay, all right. So we've all done that. All right, that's something that we, that we do. Um, we pray to God, and we ask God, and we beg God. Uh, maybe it's like your job, or you want this deal to go through, or maybe it's a relationship. Have you ever prayed for a relationship? Like I'm talking like middle school, high school, college. You ever prayed for that relationship? You know what I'm talking about? All right, we've been there before. I remember um, back when I was in seventh grade, um, I had a buddy of mine. And, uh, and he desperately wanted to, uh, to, to go out or really to have this girl named Mindy as, as a girlfriend. Now, Mindy, she was like the, the best-looking girl in school, if that makes sense, right? Best-looking best girl in seventh grade. And so um, he, would, you know, he would always talk about it like, oh, there's Mindy, oh, you know, like that type of thing. And he got that going on. And I remember going to his house once, and it was one of those sad situations, right, where, and we've all experienced this, maybe not personally, but you've seen it, uh, where like he had no chance you know what I'm talking about? Like, it just wasn't going to happen. Mindy was on this level. He's, you know, like that. Like, it just, it just wasn't going to happen. And so um, I remember going to his house once, and he was, he was telling me, uh, he was like, man, I pray for Mindy every day. And I'm like, wow, all right, you are a good Christian guy. And, and he, then he showed me, he liked this, like, prayer setup or uh, prayer station. I don't know. Um, he was Catholic, and this was my first introduction, I guess, into the Catholic religion. Uh, I didn't know anything. And I'm like, you have a prayer what? Like, you go to this corner and you, you pray. He's like, yeah, and this is my little thing there, and I got this. And, and then he was like showing me. He's like, and then I got this water. And I'm like, what? Water? He's like squirting it. He's like, this is what I do. Like that's, and, I'm like, and I'm like, what is And he's like, this is holy water. And I remember this is the first time that I've ever like even heard of this. I'm like, holy water? What's like? How'd you get that? Like, like, is that from heaven? I don't know how, the, you know, I don't know how all this works. Like, where did you find holy water? Like, tell me where this spring is. Like, that type of thing, you know. And, uh, and he's telling me later I found out that you just, it's just tap water that you buy at church um, for him. And so he's like, you know, he's showing me all this stuff. And he's like, I, I do the water. I say the prayers. I do the signs. And, and I pray to God every single day for Mindy. Have you been there? Like where you've begged and begged and begged God for something that you think you really, really need and something that you really, really, really want. Uh, he never got Mindy, okay? So God didn't answer that prayer. But that's how it goes sometimes, right? Or maybe for you, it's not just you want something really bad. Maybe for you, something enters your world and just completely rocks it. Maybe for you, it's a phone call in the middle of the night where the words cancer or accident 
or divorce enter your world and you feel the lack of control over that situation. And I mean, have you ever noticed that we pray harder when we're in trouble? Right? I mean, and so we go to God like we should. And we pray to him and we ask him and we beg God. And then has it ever happened where it just doesn't happen? You know, what do we do? We question it. We're like, God, what's going on here? Hey, Lou, God, all right, uh, what's going, uh, you know, do you see my situation I'm in? Why would you allow this to happen in my life? And then usually we're like kind of looking at ourselves. We're like, am I doing anything wrong? I don't think so. I'm living a pretty good life. God, you owe me this. All right, I follow you. I believe in you. I go to church. I was baptized. I do all this stuff. And we think, we're like, God, do you even care? We question his goodness. Some of us, we take it a step further. We go, God, are you even there? And we question him. After all. We'd expect God to do for us what we do for others if we had the power to grant their wishes, right? Like, like, it, like if you had a buddy, if you had the power to grant wishes, which would be awesome, by the way, all right? But if you had the power to do that and your friend comes up to you, like your good friend's like, hey, I'm going out of town next week. Can you just make sure that I'm safe? You'd be like, oh, yeah, you're safe, done. All right, safety, done. You, nothing bad's going to happen. would be like, thanks. Like, we'd do that. Or if you had a friend that came up to you, Really good for this, like, hey, I got to tell you something. I was just diagnosed with stage four cancer. It's not looking good. I got like six months to a year to live, the doctors say, so I don't really know. Like, like they're telling you that. And, you, just, and you, have, you had the ability to heal them? You would heal them, right? Maybe not, <laughs> okay? Some of you guys are like, it depends on the friend, okay? <laughs> All right? See, we would, we would do that. And so we'd expect God to do for us what we'd do for others if we had the power to grant their wishes. And we're going, but I asked, and I begged, and I pleaded, and nothing. And it bothers us when God doesn't respond to what we view as good or fair requests like we think he should. And so we end up viewing prayer like something that's just kind of broken. We end up viewing God as a God who's just kind of broken. He's there sometimes, maybe. We're not even sure. Um, at my house um, currently... We have a TV in our living room, and we have a remote that sometimes works. It's the worst, all right? It's one of those things where you're, like, watching TV, and you're like, okay, why is this button not working? But this one is. That doesn't make any sense. Or sometimes the whole remote doesn't work. Sometimes it, it fully does. It's, it's actually super, super annoying. And what I would rather is I'd rather have it not work all the way, because then I just throw it away, and I go out and motivate me to go out and buy a new remote. I'd rather that than sometimes it only works sometimes because I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, the little red light's blinking, so it's got to be, it'll work here in a second. You know, I, I, like, play with it for a long time to get it to go. Like, like that's kind of how we view prayer. We view prayer as like a magic button on a remote that sometimes works, sometimes it doesn't work. We don't know when it's going to work and when it's not, and it frustrates us because it only works part of the time. Uh, here's an example for you just from this week in my life. Um, Actually, the previous week, I had lost my wedding ring, okay? It's one of those things. Ooh, yeah, I know. It's a big thing. Um, this happens frequently <laughs> because I am a horrible person. All right. Now, this happens frequently uh, because I, like, my subconsciously, see, I'm doing it right now. I, like, play with my ring. Like, I don't even know my brain. Like, I'm not even, like, there. My, I'm just, like, flipping it around, tossing it. Like, like my subconscious just does this. Sometimes I found my ring sometimes, like, on the little light switch like, I, I hang it on things and stuff, and I'm like, when did I do that? 
why do I do that? I don't know. It's like that type of thing. So I'm not good at keeping it on. Keeping it on. And my wife, um, she accepts me for who I am, okay? So don't send me an email and say I'm a bad husband or whatever. That's, you know, it is what it is. I'm not your husband. Okay. So anyway, I, uh, so I, I lost it. And actually, it's not even my original ring. My original ring I lost long ago. And so it was actually, I lost two rings. And I have my, my ring number two, and then I have my backup ring to ring number two because they're cheap. And so I got those. And, um, and so I had lost both of them, both of my, both of my wedding rings. Same girl, both of my wedding rings. And, um, and, I was, and it had been, at this point, it had been like over a week. And so I'm starting to get nervous. I'm like, I've looked at all the spots. What's going on? Like, sometimes I leave it here. I checked all the light switches. You know, I checked all the, I checked all the places. I'm like, my, my ring, is, my rings, they're just, they're just gone. And I was in Indiana for a couple of days. I'm like, did I leave it there? I don't know. I didn't, I, you know, that type of thing. And, uh, and what I realized is, uh, is I'm thinking about this week, and I'm like, you know what? God knows exactly where those rings are. Like, he can see them. Like, he's like, it's right there, dude, you know? And I'm not getting it, and it's super frustrating. And then I realize, I'm like, and I'm, I'm studying prayer all week because I'm getting ready to talk about prayer and, what, you know, why we don't get things that we ask for and stuff like that on Sunday morning. And I'm like, and I haven't even prayed for it yet. Pastor Zach, you're messed up. Yeah, I know. And so I, uh, I, I prayed to God. I'm like, hey, God, you know, um, I'm looking for both rings, but if you only give me one, I'll be cool with that. One would be nice. And uh, literally within five minutes after me praying about it, I go out to my car, and I find it in a spot where I know I look like four times, okay? And it's there. Now, I was kind of weirded out about it because I'm like, all right, okay. Did he, like, magically put that ring there? Because I know I looked there multiple times. Like, I looked in the whole thing, you know? And you're like, which he could do, all right, that's a possibility. Or am I just that much of an idiot that I completely missed it four different times when I was looking for it? And I'm like, that's probably true too. You know, like, he, that's, that's probably the most, you know, that's probably what actually happened. But it's one of those things that it really got me thinking this week. I'm like, why is God going to help me find my ring? Which he did. All right, that was God. It wasn't me. I looked there, you know, it is what it is. Why is God going to help me find my ring, but not help someone who's praying for God to heal them from cancer? You ever think about that? Like, how does this work? Why sometimes does he give me what I ask for? And many times, many times he just doesn't. And we question him. And we question it all. And what's interesting about it is Jesus' followers, they ask God, they ask Jesus the same questions. In fact, one time, they're like hanging out with Jesus because that's what they did. And they were hanging out with Jesus. They're like, hey, Jesus, all right, we, see, we know you're God. Okay, and we see the way that you pray to the Father, and, and we don't even understand how that all works because you're all one, but you're also, also separate. And they're, they're, like, trying to figure this out, and they're like, okay, all right. But besides that, um, Jesus, we see how you pray. And Jesus would go out in the morning. He would go out in the evening. I mean, he would pray all by himself. He would pray in front of a bunch of people. He would pray just with his disciples. I mean, Jesus, he prayed, like, all different ways. And so they're like, Jesus, um, teach us how to pray. Like, what's up with this whole prayer thing? Like, what's this whole prayer thing about? And Jesus, he responds responds to them, and he, he really tells them a story. And he tells them the story. He's like, okay, let me, let me try to break this down for you guys. All right. I want you to picture a guy who a bunch of guests and visitors come to his house at night. Now, um, at, so they come to his house. They're having this, like, let's say, like a party or something like that. And, um, and this guy runs out of food. 
Now, for us, we'd be like, okay, well, if you run out of pizza, there's no pizza, right? That's just how it works. But in their culture, this was like a big, big, big no-no. I mean, this was like embarrassing. It was shameful. For you to run, hospitality was like the number one thing. If you were to run out of food with people over, I mean, it was like one of the most embarrassing and shameful things within their culture and their society that they could possibly do. And so the disciples, as they're hearing this, and they hear that this guy runs out of food, I mean, they're just like, whoa, that's really bad. Like, that's, that's so embarrassing. That happened to my mom once. Yeah, you know, like that type of thing. And, and so Jesus is like, so what is he going to do? So he, this guy runs over to his neighbor's house to see if he could bum some food off his neighbor. And when he gets there, remember, this is in the middle of the night. He starts knocking on the door. Now, when he's knocking on the door, the neighbor hears it, and he, he's already in bed. I mean, the kids are in bed, the Bible, Jesus says. The kids are in bed. Uh, he's in bed. The doors are all locked. Lights are off. And doors are shut. You know, just, just everything everything's is set and ready to go. And uh, the guy obviously doesn't want to get out of bed. Now, a lot of you guys know exactly how this is because someone comes to your door in the middle of the day even. I mean, what do you do? I don't think they know I'm home. Do they hear the TV? You're like, turn that off. Like, nobody's home. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you guys do. Okay, you do it. Yeah, you do. And so, um, and so some of, I mean, we're not even motivated to answer the door in the middle of the day. This guy's already in bed for the night. He's probably already been sleeping for a couple hours. And so obviously he kind of yells down there. He's like, hey, yo, neighbor. He says, go away, basically. I'm, I'm in bed. My kids are in bed. I, I'm not getting up and giving you anything. Like, I, go, go to someone else's house. But the guy who's got the people over at his house, the guest, he doesn't stop. He doesn't go away. He keeps knocking. He keeps banging. He keeps going. He says, come on, please. Come on. I just need some bread. I just need some of this. I just need that pizza. I got any pop, like anything like that. He's just like, he's just, come on. And Jesus says, what do you think the guy's going to do? Eventually, the guy's going to get out of bed just to give him, and he'll give his neighbor whatever he wants just to get him to go away. He says, that's how we should pray. He says this, this is all in Matthew chapter 7. He says this after he tells the story. He says, this is what I want you guys to do. You're asking how to pray, this is how you pray. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. He says, for everyone who asks, Receive. Now, when he uses the word everyone here, within the context of what he's talking about, he's talking about every person who, who's a believer. Okay, he's talking about every Jesus follower. So that's probably not everybody in this room, all right? He's, but he's, he's talking about everybody who has given their life over to Jesus. He says, because the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. And so here's Jesus and what he tells them to do, and this is a command, by the way. He's not asking you to do this. He's telling you, no, I want you to do this. He says, I want you to ask. I want you to seek, and I want you to knock. Now, there's a couple things you got to understand in the original language, what Jesus is actually saying here, um, that his disciples completely picked up on, and we um, don't as easily because we're not, we're not there in the moment, and we don't know their culture. But uh, this is not just a one-time thing that he's saying here. Okay, in fact, what Jesus is saying, this is um, it's a repetitive thing. And the disciples, they completely pick up on what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying, he said, I want you to ask and ask and keep on asking. I want you to seek and seek and keep on seeking. I want you to knock and knock and keep on knocking. Not only, by the way, is it a repetitive thing, but what Jesus says here, and this is so genius. This is what Jesus did, this kind of stuff all the time. Um, not only is it a repetitive thing, but it also intensifies as he goes on. All right, he says, I want you to ask. This is a really general term. He's like, yeah, ask me for whatever you want. It's super 
kind of casual. But then he says, and I also want you to seek. This is something that takes a little more effort. And then he says, I want you to knock. This is like the, a pounding on the door type knocking. This is an aggressive word. It's extremely intense. And so here's Jesus. He's literally saying, I want you to wear me out with your prayers. Think about that. I want you to wear me out with your talk to me. I mean, here's God. He's saying, whatever you do, all right, whatever's going on in your life, whatever you do, he's saying, don't stop praying to me. He said, whatever you do, don't stop talking to me. But that's not how any of us really pray, right? I mean, we view prayer as a, simply a lifeline in our life. Like, is there when we need it? We just don't usually need it. And we really only want God involved when, uh, when we're in trouble. And when things are going good, we're just like, hey, God, you just hang out over there. I'm going to go do my thing. Things are good. I'll call you when I need you. Like, that's, that's kind of what we think. And if we're honest with ourselves, all right, think about the things that we pray for. Like 99.9% .9 of the things that we pray for is all about us. Have you thought about that? It's all about us. I mean, even when we pray for, let's say, somebody who is sick and dying, even when we pray for them, the question becomes, all right, are we, are we actually praying for them or is that about us? I think most of the time it's for us. It's the idea of, well, I don't want to live my life without them. I want them around for me. You see how we do this? It becomes all about us. In fact, James actually warns us of this. In James chapter 4, uh, James says, you ask and you don't receive. You're like, wait, what? I thought that's like exact opposite of what Jesus said. He says, this is why. He says, you ask and don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Here's James. He's saying, guess what? When you pray, your motives matter. God knows your heart. He knows why you're praying for what you're praying for. He's saying your motives matter. And most of the time we pray, it's all about us. Most of the time our prayer life is just so selfish. It's all about us, me, 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 my, 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 I want this. It's all about our temporary comfort. And that's what James says. He says, all right, you, you pray or you ask and you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. He says, so that it might make your life easier. So that it's all, about, it's all about you. James is saying your motive matters. And if we're completely honest with ourselves, when we pray, man, our prayers are so lame. I don't know what, else, what other word to use. I think a lot of times our prayer is just so lame. Like, what are you praying for? What are you asking God for? What are you seeking for? It takes a little more effort. What are you banging on God's door for you? For, for anything? See, what if, I think the best way to illustrate this maybe is, what if God came to you this afternoon, all right, you go home, you eat your lunch, you take your nap, maybe you're getting ready to take your nap, sounds so good to me right now, all right? Um, and let's say that God uh, comes to you and he says, hey, guess what? Whatever you prayed for last week, I just want to let you know, all right, I say yes to everything. Would your life be any different? Think about it. Would your life be any different? Yeah, you get the good parking spot and your foot would stop hurting, so that's good. And your team won and, and you have the nice weather and you got the A, all right? That's good. Would the world be any different? Would your life be any different? 
Or do you just pray for a bunch of dumb things? I think we find ourselves doing that more often than not. Do you pray for anything that actually matters? See, here the God of the universe is telling us to ask, to seek, to knock. I mean, how cool is that? Right, like what an opportunity, what a gift that he gives us. It's God of the universe saying, hey, if you are a Christian, if you've given your life over to me, guess what? You have a direct line to me because I'm your dad. Right? You can come talk to me at any time. The line is always open. But most of us, we just completely waste it by praying for our temporary comfort, what might temporarily make us happy. And then we get mad at God and we question him when he doesn't perform the way that we told him to. And so now when Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, we got to understand that it's not just a blank check, okay? I feel like I got I to mention this just so we're all clear. It's not just a blank check like, hey, God, um, you know, I really, want, uh, I really want this boat, <laughs> you know, like this boat, you know, I want it to be like this size engine, that many horsepower, I want it to be this long and, you know, this big and just all this stuff. And, you know, it's not like, it's not like we ask God uh, for something and God's up there and he's like, oh, dang it, they read that verse, oh. You got me. You got me. You found the loophole right here. I said I would. So here you go. I got you. I got to get you this. But no, that's not how it works. Right? God only promises to give us good gifts. Boat sounds pretty good to me, but God knows more than we do. Check it out. This is what he says. Back to Matthew. He says, who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will actually give him a stone? Right? Parents, you know how this is, right? He's saying, hey, who among you? Like, if your kid comes up and asks you for a snack, you know how that goes, you know? I like, all the time. Like, my kids is, like, every five minutes, I'm like, stop, you just ate. How many snacks? Like, come on, dinner's coming. Like, that type of thing. Sometimes I, I tell Kate, I'm like, we just got to cut these kids off. Like, it's good that they, it's probably good that they don't get everything that they want on demand. You know what I mean? Good lesson. Anyway, I don't know. That's not even in my message, so I shouldn't be talking about it. Your kid comes up and asks you for a snack, right? Here's Jesus. He's saying, what parent would be like, oh, yeah, you're hungry? Oh, cool. Here, eat this rock. You know, like it's kind of messed up. Jesus is like, that's kind of messed up, right? Like nobody, we, we don't do that. Like I've never given any of my kids, even though it annoys me sometimes that they come and ask me for a snack over and over and over again, I've never said eat this rock or eat this dirt. He says, or if, or if someone comes up or if your kid comes up and asks you for a piece of fish, like are you going to give him a snake? Like no, he's like nobody's, nobody does that. Then he says, if you then who are evil... Know how to give good gifts. By the way, if you're a parent in here, ever want to be a parent, um, ever were a parent, I'm just saying, here's Jesus. He straight up calls you evil, okay? Just throwing it out there, laying it before you. If you're a kid in here, you're like, you know, smirking at them. That's totally fine. You're evil too because you just did that. Okay, so he says, we're all evil. We're all messed up. Jesus recognizes this. He says, if you then who are evil, right, all of us in here qualify under that, okay, we're all evil. He says, if you guys, you don't know even what really was, was good and was not. He says, if you guys know how to give good gifts to your children, to your kids, man, how much more will your Father in heaven, how much more, key, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, God only promises to give us good things. So, yeah, maybe God doesn't always give you what you're asking for. But maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's good that the on-demand God doesn't exist. I mean, we can see this practically in our life, right? I mean, have, have you ever prayed for something where, that God didn't give you, and now you look back on that thing that you prayed for in the past, and you're glad that God didn't give it to you? 
You know what I'm talking about? Remember that relationship that you prayed for at one point in your life that really meant a lot to you, you know, right? Okay, no, okay. Have you ever been to your high school reunion? Right? Okay, you guys know what I'm talking about. You see that person, all right, that you've been, that you prayed for, that you really wanted. You're like, okay, this person will complete me or whatever it might have been at some point in your life. And you look at them now, like, let's just be honest, okay? I know it sounds kind of mean, but we all do it, all right, where you're just like, I am so glad that didn't work out, you know? Yeah, we've done that, all right? It's that type of thing, all right? We see in our own life that sometimes the things that we ask for, we see later on when we have more information or whatever it might be, or we understand how, more, how, how life has worked out for us, where we're like, okay, yeah, I'm glad God didn't answer that prayer. And see, the thing that we've got to remember is that God is all-powerful, He is all-knowing, and most importantly, He is completely good. He's good. And so what if he knows something that you don't? He probably does, right? What if God's plan includes you but doesn't center around you? You ever think about that? What if, all right, I don't know if this is possible, but what if his plan is actually better than your plan? What if that's true? What if prayer isn't for us to impose our will and our wants and our desires on him, but to surrender our will, our wants, and our desires to him? See, this is in the Bible. This is something just kind of made up, and, but I believe this is completely true. I think, if you're smart, okay, that God answers your prayers the way that you'd answer your prayers if you knew what God knew. Think about that. I believe that God answers your prayers the way that you'd answer your own prayers if you knew what God knew. And I think the best example of that is something that we see in the New Testament is with this guy named Paul. Now, Paul, um, he, was, he writes a bunch of the New Testament. Paul, um, he describes for us one time in, his, in a, a second letter to this church in this huge city called Corinth. He describes for us saying, yeah, one time he had this thing that he describes as a thorn in his side. Now, scholars debate and scholars uh, can only make educated guesses about what this thing is. Paul, he never tells us. He just describes it that way. And I think he does that on purpose, so we're not arguing about it. But, uh, but Paul, some scholars say that maybe it was his eyesight was bad or maybe it was malaria or migraines or something going on with, it, with his side or something with his kidney or I don't know, something like that. Um, some scholars, they say, no, no, this isn't like a physical thing. All right, this is probably a person. I mean, have any of you had a thorn in your side called a person ever in your life, right? And so some people say that, no, no, that's what it is. No matter what it was, it doesn't really matter. Um, probably something physical. Here's Paul, and Paul says, I begged God on three different occasions. He says three different times, I begged God to take this thing away. Now, when he says three here, he's not saying, yeah, it was like for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I just kind of tagged it on to my prayer right before I ate. Thank God for this food. Oh, yeah, can you take this away? Oh, thank you. All right. Now, this is three different, like, periods of time that he's been praying for this. And you know, he's like arguing with God a little bit, or he's reasoning with God, saying, hey, God, this is slowing me down. Hey, God, I'm not able to to teach as many people. Hey, God, this hurts. (laughs) Ever, Ever pray that one? All right. In fact, he describes it as this thing was tormenting him, tormenting him. I mean, this is Paul, 
right? This dude, this is the dude who taught about Jesus uh, for about 30 years in every major city along the Mediterranean Sea or around the Mediterranean Sea. I mean, this is a guy who literally talked to Jesus once, which is awesome, right? Here's a guy who served Jesus um, and paid a high price to do so. I mean, he's been shipwrecked for Jesus. He was, he was uh, flogged for Jesus. He had been stoned for Jesus. He had been in prison for Jesus. He had been beaten with clubs for Jesus, all right? So this guy has been through some stuff for Jesus. This is the guy who wrote like a third of the New Testament all right, for Jesus. I mean, this is a guy who had a pretty strong faith, maybe the strongest faith out of anybody who has ever lived, I mean, besides Jesus, okay? I mean, here's a guy who had it going on, and he's saying, I prayed, and I begged, and I was asking, and I was seeking, and I was doing the whole knocking thing. In fact, I was banging on God's door over and over and over again. And Paul says, he didn't take it away. He didn't do it. In fact, God said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul tells us what he said. God says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. He's like, I've dealt out enough grace on you, Paul. I don't owe you this. You're, you don't owe, you're not owed a perfect life. He says, and my power is actually perfected, contrary to popular belief and how the world thinks, not in strength, but in your weakness. Here's God who just says no. He says, this is actually better for you. I know you don't understand it. I know you can't reason it. I know this doesn't make any sense to you, but this is actually better for you, and I want what's best for you. And, and so God, like the thing we got to remember is God is so much more than just a genie in a bottle or a magic button. He's a good dad, and he knows how to give, and he tells us to ask, and he tells us to pound on his door, but he gives according to what's best for you. You just got to talk to him. Some of you guys, you haven't talked to God for a long time. I'm not telling you, like, really talk to him. Sure, you could throw out the, hey, quick prayer. Hey, God, I need your help with this. Okay, thank you. All right, go back to it. Now, I'm saying, when was the last time you actually talked to him? Like, got away, just you and him. Some of you guys, you just need to get in the habit of doing that again. Some of you, maybe even today, like today would be perfect, all right, where you just get away, maybe you drive in your car, you just get by yourself, and, uh, and, or you go for a walk or whatever, all right, go walk in some park or something, just where you're by yourself, and just talk to God. I think it's good if you even talk to God out loud. I think that's good. You don't have to. He knows your every thought. But just talk to God. And some of you guys, you haven't done that for a long time, and you're just like, I don't even know, like, what that means. Here's the deal. You have to be real. Some of you, you've been fake for so long, you don't even know what that feels like anymore. But that's just where you go to God and you're like, man, okay. You just got to start somewhere. Like, uh, hey, God, I'm talking to you. Guy at church told me to talk to you today, so here I am. Feels weird. feel like I'm talking to air, but... Uh, I know you're there, and I know you're a good dad, and I learned today you want me to ask, so I got some things, but um, I'm here. Some of you just need to start. It's not a certain amount of memorized prayer or something that you got to do. It's being real. And so he invites you to ask with the right motives. 
And so maybe for you, you've struggled in your faith recently with questions. Maybe for you, you've straight up walked away. Maybe for you, you question his goodness. Like, I don't even know if he cares that this is going on in my life. Maybe for you, you question his existence. I don't even know if he's there. Because God didn't give you that good thing or that fair thing in your mind uh, that you asked and that you begged and that you pleaded him for. But the on-demand God that maybe you believed in or that you put your faith in is not real. That God does not exist. But there is a real God who doesn't promise to give you every one of your wants and desires, but does promise to give you every one of your needs. And he knows you better than you know yourself, and he knows what's best for you better than you know what's best for you, and he loves you, and I can tell you he cares for you, and he wants a relationship with you. It's actually a relationship that you were created to have. And so maybe for you, instead of asking God for that easy A or that quick fix on some problem in your life or that, or that thing, whatever it might be, maybe you need to start by asking him to be a part of your life first because you've never done it. But that's not a complicated thing either. God tells us that all we have to do is we just got to go to him and it's like, it's really a surrendering to him. It's like, you're just like, okay, I'm here. I want you to be a part of my life. And if you do that this morning or, or today, uh, you should do that today because you're not guaranteed tomorrow, all right? But it's, there's a lot that happens in that moment. God actually moves into your life. He becomes a part of life. He starts chipping away. A lot of people in this room, you know exactly how this works because this has happened to you in your life. And you know it's not always easy. In fact, God, I mean, it, it can be complicated at times and it's painful at times and it hurts at times because God's chipping away. He starts changing us from the inside out. But you get to have a relationship with your creator, the thing you were meant to have, and you get to ask, and he will answer that. And he's there calling you. Don't ignore him any longer. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day and for this church and for this family that you've put together here in little Tiffin, Ohio. And God, we ask that you would help us as we go throughout this week. Help us to connect back with you. Help us to, help us to talk to you and to pour out our life to you. And, and it doesn't have to be official or anything. Just help us to, to, to talk to you. God, we ask that you would help us do that. It's something that we're not, we're not, it's not something that comes natural for us. We need your help. Help us to ask with good motives. Another thing we're not good at. And God, help us to trust you in your goodness in our life. We ask for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we will see you guys back here next week. Next week, we're starting a brand new series on the life of David. I'm stoked about it. It should be fun. And uh, it's